Welcome to another edition of Talking Fußball, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I'm your host, Matt Herman, and this week, you know, we're working towards accepting our fates. We're making plans for next season. We're wondering exactly when that's going to be. Although, as of today, we do know that at least it will be on TV. With me this week, we've got top guests, not from the world of TV, but from the Wild West world of social media and online journalism. It is Ronan Murphy. Ronan, what what scurrilous rumors and, and internet scuttlebutt have you been spreading around today? Um, I, I would never do such a thing as to spread scurrilous rumors or anything else. I always blame someone else for those. I, I always say where I, I've got them from, so it's not not necessarily me coming up with them. But I, I did have a story about uh, about Milan looking for a, a Hoffenheim teenager, but uh, I'd imagine unless you're a Milan or a Hoffenheim fan, uh, the uh, the the future of Winston Bogart's nephew is probably not high on most people's agenda. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if you hadn't named him, I was going to ask you to you, please don't bogart that uh, that rumor. But uh, I, I think you, you kind of nipped that one in the bud. In this episode, we're going to take a look at uh, you know Bayern Munich and a host of other Bundesliga sides' late summer date book and what to do about that. We'll look at a few teams' dilemmas over how they are planning for next season and who might be in charge. And Werder Bremen, their long goodbye. All right, here comes part one of Talking Foosball. This is the part where we talk about, you know, the best of match day 33, because that's the match day we just had. I don't know. There, there's a lot of storylines to cover, and we often end up starting at the top of the table. But as, you know, as that's looking a little bit more settled, and I think the juicier drama is down at the bottom, I actually want to start down there. This season that has boiled down to a two-horse race, uh, against the drop. That's between Fortuna Dusseldorf, who came into match day 33 on the back of a 2-2 draw in Leipzig that put them on, uh, what, tw- 29 points in 16th, the relegation playoff spot. And then uh, Werder Bremen, who have been down towards the bottom of the table for some time this season, much to many people's consternation. They lost to Bayern at midweek when Bayern uh, became champions. Uh, that left them stuck on 28 points in 17th place, the place that sends them straight down. As I think you might have heard, Ronan, and and you as well, listener, uh, Dusseldorf earned themselves a 1-1 draw this weekend uh, in a game against Augsburg that kind of cooled off in the latter stages of the game when both teams seemed, frankly, satisfied (laughs) to split the points. That was because Mainz pretty much put the kibosh on uh, Werder's bid for a crucial win to lift them above Dusseldorf. Yeah, they, they... Created plenty of chances in that game, did Bremen, but only uh, actually scored uh, a rather tough-to-convert one through Yuya Osako and their, you know, attacking commitment at the end of that game. I think they had as many as five or six attacking striker-type players on the pitch at the end. Uh, allowed Mites's, uh, Edmilson Fernandez to score and, and ice that 3-1 win. Ronan, will you really be sorry to see either one of these teams go? I have to be honest in saying that it's looked like either a certainty or a high probability that one or both of these teams will be going down for some time. And they're just not very good, are they? No, they're not, unfortunately. And you were just kind of waiting all season for maybe either either team to get better or for teams to click, especially with, with Bremen and the kind of history they have and what they were in the Europa League final, what, just over a decade ago. But now they look like they're going to be in the second division. So you, you just were expecting something to happen for either team, but despite 
the good players they have in, in each squad, they, they never seem to be able to amount to anything. And from a week to week basis, it was just bad result after bad result. And I think they kind of neither of them really deserve much at all at the at this stage. Unfortunately for their fans, and it's kind of, it's kind of sad just the, the way the season's gone. But I suppose there's always teams like this every every season, and hopefully, if if both go down, the two teams that come up, Stuttgart and and maybe Heidenheim or Hamburg, will will give us a bit more entertainment next season. Sure, sure, and and don't forget Armenia Bielefeld, the 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 long lost club of of Bielefeld, who are coming back to the Bundesliga after a really long time. I'm hoping to actually have uh, some content uh, about Bielefeld in the near future because it's a team that has a lot of history, has a lot uh, going for them in terms of uh, football culture in Germany, and uh, you know deserves to have a little bit of a light shined on it. But getting back to to you know Dusseldorf and and Bremen. I felt like this match day was really emblematic of the season for these two teams. I mean, you know, you have Dusseldorf who were pretty lackluster in this game as they have been so often this season, but they at least had the steel to hold on to a draw as they have, you know, 12 times this season. That is, you know, joint top of the league along with, uh, I think, Schalke and, and Leipzig, most draws. Whereas Werder Bremen, they just dug themselves a hole and had to really push for a result, but just didn't have the quality to pull it off. I mean, I, I feel like what happened this weekend was just them in a nutshell. Yeah, I think that was the case for both of them. And I think Dusseldorf, their, their only shot and target was the one that went into the net. It was that that kind of fortunate kind of result overall for them. They, they didn't look like they were going to pull up trees. And like you said earlier, that both teams seemed happy enough for the, the one-all draw. And it's a bit like... Like that two-two game that Sweden played in the in the World Cup, the anniversary there this week of they were happy enough that the result suited everybody, and that it, it kind of felt like one of those matches. And Bremen, yeah, like you said, the, the result was emblematic of their season. If you thought they were going to get a win, kind of anywhere in the in the relegation battle, you would have thought maybe it was going to be this this weekend, and you would have thought it would have been against Mainz, and they just didn't do anything for for the game and. They kind of just threw the kitchen sink at, at the end, but it was a bit kind of too little, too late at that stage. And and Mainz added another goal just to kind of kill off things and, and maybe kill off Werder Bremen's Bundesliga history at the moment. And we'll probably not see them again this season because I, I don't have high hopes for them doing anything this weekend. I, I wouldn't think that they can get the the three points needed. Yeah, I, I'm not certain of that. Completely. I mean, I, I do think, you know, I've already heaped enough shame on both uh, Bremen and Dusseldorf for, for, for one podcast. But at the same time, it looks to me like at least Bremen have some passion on their side, even if they don't necessarily have quality. And I also trust Dusseldorf in, in that they were able to get, you know, as you said, a 2-2 draw uh, against a team of the quality of, of Leipzig that they can sometimes get out and, and really cause trouble for teams. And you look at who they have next week in both of these teams. I mean, Bremen uh, have have Cologne while um, Dusseldorf are, are facing Union Berlin. I mean, to be fair, both of those teams are way out of form and have nothing to play for. Uh, on the final day of the season. I mean, can you see a scenario in which, you know, both Bremen and Dusseldorf win and, and you know, it, it's sort of holding serve? Yeah, I think that could happen. And like I was saying, I don't expect Bremen to get the three points. Well, not that I don't expect them to get the three points, just that I don't expect them to get that, to get a hugely better result than, than Dusseldorf will. And 
I think because of the goal difference, a draw would be enough for for Fortuna really at this stage. So I think that's that will do them, and they'll go into the match knowing that. And with with Union Berlin kind of have nothing really to, really to play for, it could be one of these matches where you see them them kind of with the the mindset on on the beach and they'll take the foot off the pedal a bit and it might be an impossible scenario for, for Bremen no matter what happens in their game. Yeah, true. I guess, you, I mean, if we saw them, you know, sort of come to the realization along with Augsburg that a draw was enough this week. So uh, that same realization may well be on the cards for next week. I mean, and this kind of gets at, at a bigger issue and one that I, I actually saw one of my former colleagues at DW, uh, Michael De Silva, writing about the other day. And, and it's something that I've, I've been up for for a really long time, but I thought he made some nice arguments. Is it time to just scrap this relegation playoff? I mean, you look at this season and you look at these two teams who are fighting over 16th place, and it's a real shame that one of these two teams is going to get the chance to stay in the league. When you look at all the fighting that has been going on in the second division, uh, I mean, to a great degree between Clubs with really great storylines, whether that is is Hamburger uh, Sportverein, who of course have huge history, or a team like SFT Heidenheim, which you know we can get into them for a second later. They also have a really great uh, story behind them, and to think that either one of those two teams who ends up in third in in the Zweite Bundesliga might just end up playing uh, Bremen or Dusseldorf and losing, and and the season was for nothing. I mean. I much, much prefer, and this is this is one of the things that always pains me to say, I actually much prefer the English model in this. I think the, rel- the, the promotion playoff there of third through six playing off for the right to go up and, you know, the top division having three teams go straight down is much better. Yeah, I think maybe history as well might indicate that that is the case because it's very rare for you to see a team that has finished third in, in the second tier to beat the team that's finished third last in the bottom, in the top tier, and maybe last season was the only one that we've seen in the last kind of decade or so that that was really yeah, de- three three out of eleven. Yeah, yeah, is the yeah. So, so it's kind of indicative that that's the way things go, and the team that comes third in in the Swiss league isn't really going to go up generally. So it will be kind of sad if Heidenheim do pull off this kind of great run late run in the season where they've overturned Hamburg and then get all the way to the playoff and then don't go up essentially because Dusseldorf just maybe do something magic on on the day and these relegation playoff games a lot of the times they're not the best matches either because the the team that are are third from bottom are third from bottom for a reason so it's not that it's it's always a huge great spectacle of a, a game either so there's not a great reason to keep it apart from maybe hoping that you can keep big teams in the top division because of money and finances and kind of the, the fact that, like we see in Europe, they like having big teams playing big teams. Like, same in the Cups, they always like big teams playing, playing against big teams, marquee matchups, and I suppose maybe the likes of Heidenheim aren't as, as sexy a name to put on a on a top spiel, then, <laughs> then maybe, then maybe for the Bremen. Are. are you telling me that 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 Heidenheim just just the the word doesn't get your juices flowing? <laughs> it, it might get my it might get my juices flowing, but I'm not I'm not sure that people in America get up early to watch it, or people in in Asia would stay up late to watch Heidenheim. Yeah, well, I mean, 
to be fair, uh, if, if they were watching Heidenheim this past weekend, uh, as as you know, I was at least at the at the death, and and some others maybe on account of them playing Hamburg, um, they got a lot of thrills. I mean, Heidenheim were down one nil early. They uh, got one back with about ten minutes to go through an own goal, and then with almost the last kick of the game, uh, they they got a two one win over Hamburg to overtake them in the table and have the inside lane for that uh, relegation playoff date. I mean, I think there's really a lot to like about Heidenheim in a lot of ways. I mean, Heidenheim, they are a team who have have gone up the ranks uh, on the back of of, you know, some some investment, although not at the huge scale that we see in the the, the top flight. But I mean, they've done it in a pretty slow and steady way and and with you know, a lot of continuity. Their coach, Frank Schmidt, a former Heidenheim player, has been their coach since 2007 uh, when they were in the uh, the Oberliga Baden-Württemberg. So this is a team that, you know, doesn't have a big community supporting it and does have uh, a, a bit more money than you would expect from a team uh, from a locality that size. But they have done it in a way that I think there's a lot to admire. And, and there is, you know... As I said, with the, the continuity of their their coaching staff, I think they've kind of done it in a way that that there's a lot of good stories to be written about them. Are you c- calling them that the anti RB Leipzig? Is that anything like you're saying? <laughs> nah, nah, if anything, maybe there's something a little bit more like uh, I don't know Hoffenheim Part Two, which is doesn't sound that charming uh, now that I say it that way. But <laughs> it's it's not the same as as RB Leipzig. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it, it's definitely, I suppose, a, a good example of of maybe how to do it right and kind of still keep that community aspect and the the, the small town, or I suppose it's what it, it's a bit of a city, but but the, to keep that kind of that look the local feel to the team rather than the the Leipzig model. So yeah, yeah, I suppose the, the Hoffenheim since I'm kind of connection is a bit closer, but. Yeah, considering where they were, what, just 11, 12 years ago that they were in the fourth tier and now they're on the verge of Bundesliga, it's definitely a fantastic story. And the fact that a lot of these characters are still involved with the club, and like you said, the, the coach is still the same coach. It's just it's just kind of unheard of for something like that to happen in other leagues around Europe. So it'll be a, a very interesting story, considering that we had the, the Union Berlin kind of story last season. And now we might have the, the Heidenheim story this season into next season. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I mean, as much as Hamburg fans uh, are disappointed, and as much as I'm disappointed not to have another big Traditionsverein uh, it coming up, although you know they still have a chance theoretically. I think that there's there's some fun to be had uh, watching Heidenheim. Um, real quick before we leave all this uh, relegation promotion uh, sort of conversation behind that, we did have a number of listener questions. I think three different ones, all expressing a, a degree of surprise, consternation, excitement around the same subject. Uh, Andy in Bulgaria, Craig in Texas, and Evan in Oregon, all revolving around. Bremen versus HSV in the Zweite Bundesliga. Is this maybe a silver lining for fans, at least uh, for fans of those two clubs who, you know, have basically hated each other since time immemorial? Yeah, I think it might be. I think it's always nice to see these sort of rivalries anywhere in the world, whether it's the Merseyside Derby or whether it's the Dublin Derby here in Ireland or, or obviously the 
we might have, have Bremen and, and, and HSV next season. It, it, it's great to see those sort of matches. So it is the, maybe the one positive if, if Bremen do go down that we will get to see. We will get to see this heated rivalry kind of come back. It, it maybe might just be a pity if Hamburg steal third on the last day and end up going up and Bremen come down that we might miss it altogether. Though. And let's say Bremen does go down. Uh, there's been talk about this all season long, and there's been diagnoses from from you know within and without the club uh, all along. But where do they begin in terms of rebuilding towards coming back to the first division? I mean, do they hold on to Florian Kofeld, a, a coach who was, you know, coach of the year uh, last year and has been sort of lauded by many within the German uh, football community? And, you know, how many of their players should they hold on to or can they hold on to going into that smaller cafeteria with their their lunch tray? Yeah, I suppose I think they have to keep hold of Kofeld because they've trusted him this long. And if they, they didn't pull the trigger on them on kind of when things were really going bad and when it was shown that they weren't going to go down, they're not going to really pull the trigger on him at the end of the end. They, they probably shouldn't because who are they going to get out there that, that's maybe maybe a better fit for them? And he still, still seems to have to support the board and the support of the players and, and things like that. So maybe they should stick with them and see how to do next season. And He probably has to look at building a younger team and try and look to see can he keep some of the, the, those younger players that like Josh Sargent. He hasn't really pulled up trees in, in the Bundesliga, but as we've seen with many Americans before, maybe he could be perfectly at home in, in the second division. He could be he could be a, a step up from a Bobby Wood, maybe. But uh, it's, got, it's going to be hard for them to keep hold of Miller, Rashida, and, and, and players like that, because obviously their heads are going to be turned, and there's talking him going to Leipzig, and your your best talent is always going to be hard to keep around. So you could see David Klassen moving back to the Netherlands, perhaps, or someone come in for for Max Eggestein, and you could have players like that go. But if they can he, keep hold of maybe the, some of the younger players, the, the young talent they have there, there is a good chance that Kofeld could be the man to to maybe get them back up at the first, to the first time of asking. Yep, yep. I, I do trust them uh, in terms of, uh, you know, having their wits about them a little bit more than than Hamburg, who now look like they are going to spend a third season in the second division to be a bit more like, say, uh, Stuttgart were in recent years uh, or, you know, this season and, and, and you know, a few years past as well. Um, one thing that just kind of drove me a little crazy seeing this week, knowing that Bremen had a chance to keep themselves in the top division, um, you know, Max Kruse, who people have been complaining about his his being missing from this side all season long, suddenly finds himself unilaterally out of contract after, you know, his, his team, Fenerbahce in Turkey, didn't pay him for a while during this uh, COVID break. He said, OK, well, I'm out of here. I really feel like if Bremen had managed to keep themselves in the first division, that could have been on. Yeah, probably could have. It would have been actually nice if the the FIFA rules and the German rules would allow play, clubs to sign free agents for these last couple of weeks, and he could have been the man to come back and maybe play for a couple of games and keep them in in the top flight. But wasn't to be. But obviously, his wages would be <laughs> a bit of a barrier. Yeah, yeah, would would be a, a big problem for the second division. But considering he hasn't been play, paid at all for the last few months, I suppose anything is a, is an improvement on that. Yeah. 
yeah, I don't blame the guy one bit. Uh, if if your your employer stops paying you, you can stop showing up. As far as I'm concerned. All right, let, let's let's get off the uh, topic of uh, hopelessly poor teams and talk about ones that are actually you know, the class of the division. There was a bit of a shuffle up in the European places. One being, I guess, I don't know, not very consequential, which is to say um, Dortmund cementing their place in second against uh, RB Leipzig. They had, you know, two goals from Erling Haaland uh, to get a 2-0 win in Leipzig. It looks like they're now, you know, locked in there. Uh, But a little bit more uh, meaningfully, we had uh, a trading places situation with uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. They came out and absolutely stonked uh, SC Paderborn. It was only 3-1, but it Felt like it could have been 6-1 in this game. Amazing games from both, you know, Patrick Hamann and even more so uh, La Stindl. And meanwhile, oddly enough, and, you know, for me, I'll, I'll, I'll admit this, I did not expect this result. Uh, Hertha defeated Bayer Leverkusen 2-0 and, and looked pretty good doing it. I mean, it was not a, a, a dominating performance. It was definitely a sort of uh, hold back and counter and try and sort of neutralize the strengths of, of a better team. But they did it very effectively. Where do you see all this constellation uh, going into the next season? I mean, we can start by talking about maybe who's going to be on the outside looking in for the Champions League. I feel like it could be consequential for the types of players that you can attract slash types of players you can hold on to for a team like Gladbach or like Leverkusen. I mean, you did put out a, a, a a sort of or, or forward on one of your scurrilous rumors today about uh, Jonathan David, the, the Canadian striker from from the Belgian league, perhaps being the subject of a pretty big bid from uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. I mean, if they make the Champions League, I I feel like that could be a really realistic move. And if they don't, maybe it isn't. Yeah, I think a lot depends on whether Gladbach or Leverkusen makes the Champions League, who they can keep hold of and who they can attract him. Obviously, if, if Gladbach were to make the Champions League, you could see them maybe improving that bid for, for, for John David because it seems to be just a little on the low side for, for Ghent to accept at the moment. So maybe if they were able to add another $5 million to push it up to $30 million, it might be enough to convince them to sell. And it would be another attacker to add to their already kind of explosive attack line. But if they don't make the Champions League, they're not going to spend this sort of money on, a, on, a, on another forward who... Might might be a luxury for sure, obviously. But then again, you look at Leverkusen, and if they don't make the Champions League, can they keep Kai Havertz? Is the big question. Is he going to stick around? Because he's yeah, he's obviously the big the big draw. Him and Jadon Sancho are, are the big talks of the town, especially with Premier League clubs looking on. And with with Timo Werner already decided where he's going at the end of the month. So yeah, it's a, a lot kind of rides on this weekend on the whole kind of transfer market. Obviously, that's something that I look at with my Scarlet's rumors. It's obviously something that I would keep a close eye on, but it's definitely going to be an interesting battle this weekend because they both have, they both have on paper very winnable games, but and they're both at home, but anything could happen on the final day like we've seen in so many final days in, in Bundesliga's past. Yeah, oddly enough, uh, the, the team that became Leverkusen's banana peel on match day 33, uh, Hertha, 
BSC are going to be facing Gladbach on the final day, whereas Leverkusen uh, are, are playing Mainz. Both of those teams, you know, Hertha and Mainz, uh, don't have a lot to play for, at least in terms of, you know, honors, qualifications, whatever, in, in the remainder of this season. But do you see either of those teams, I mean, Leverkusen and Gladbach both happen to be at home for what that's worth <laughs> these days. But um, do you see either of those teams posing problems uh, for, for either of those two teams who want to get into the Champions League next next weekend? I think probably your team has the best best chance of either of them because they seem to be a reinvigorated team under Bruno Labbadia and they kind of still have a point to prove. And it would maybe mean something to them to stop Gladbach getting Champions League football. It would be kind of a, proving themselves is up there with the big boys because they're trying to be a Champions League team themselves, whereas maybe Mainz don't have the same point to prove because they, they're probably having enough with their season so far and keeping in the Bundesliga is, is a big achievement for them, especially maybe with the, some of the, the results that's kind of gone against them during the season. So I think they'll be happy enough. But whereas Hertha, they're still have, they, they, they still have kind of aspirations of their own, not this season, but to prove that they, they can be an elite team and, Maybe it'll be it'll be them going guns to the wall, and maybe mines won't. Yeah, I can say uh, I can say that you know earlier this week when uh, mites secured their top flight status, um, they printed up T-shirts. They celebrated it on the the pitch. There was sort of a, a general sense of you know accomplishment for that, and that was definitely not the case when uh, when Hertha secured their top flight status a couple of weeks ago. That was uh, not considered anything uh, special. So I think that that's a team that definitely still has something to play for in, in a different way than Mainz. I guess looking forward to scenarios which might see these two teams both make it to the Champions League, there's only one slim one, which is to say Leverkusen, who are still alive in the Europa League. Obviously, the Europa League, there's a lot still, a lot of balls still in the air. Uh, that sort of mini tournament, which is to take place in Germany, in sort of the western part of Germany, uh, at much in the same manner that the, uh, the, the the Champions League final round will be taking place in, in Lisbon. Where do you see Leverkusen in terms of maybe having to push real hard in that tournament? I know that... Um, Anything can happen in those single elimination neutral site tournaments. But do you give them an outside chance to win that trophy? I think I do. And I think if they do finish fifth, which seems the likeliest thing at the moment, it will be their route to the Champions League. So it could be a huge game changer for them to, to win it. And they were kind of one of the teams that I expected to do a bit better and maybe thought they would do better than Frankfurt last season in last season's competition. But it just didn't happen for them. And I think they have all the attacking talent and they have maybe improved in defence. That's always been a, a huge addition for them since January. And I think they do have a squad capable of competing with the best teams from England and, and some of the other countries to, to go all the way in it. And the fact that it is a mini-tournament in Germany should definitely help them because they don't have the same travel, they don't have the same concerns that, that other teams will have. We don't know what these tournaments are going to look like or we don't know what kind of international travel is going to look like for, for football teams. So that should be a big advantage for them. Well, it might be a big advantage for, for them, but it definitely won't be a negative. Like it could be for a lot of the other teams that could be involved in this mini tournament. 
Yep, yep. I think um, I think that could prove to be a, a, an interesting little bit of spice, uh, considering there are three uh, three German teams still alive in the Europa League in, in Eintracht uh, and Wolfsburg and Leverkusen. You know, I, I'm not going to lay my money down and say it's going to be one of them who who takes the title. But um, I wouldn't be shocked, especially if, it, if if Leverkusen, who are, you know, just down the road from Cologne where the final is going to be, aren't in it. Let's look for a second at um, the, the other teams that we mentioned at the top of this segment, uh, which is to say Leipzig and uh, Borussia Dortmund. I mean, I was not terribly surprised to see Dortmund uh, get the better of Leipzig. They often do. Uh, when it really comes down to brass tacks between these two teams, even when when the sort of the, the level of play is sometimes pretty even, it was not in this game. And I think in some ways this has taken the edge off of the the, the narrative that you know Dortmund are, are sort of hopelessly behind Bayern Munich and and they need to make a move at the top with a new coach and they need to you know recruit a bunch of new players with a more winning mentality. I mean, when you have a week. Like we just had, where you know Bayern finally win the title, they're eighth in a row. Uh, it is a, a galling, galling number. There's always going to be a lot of takes about what sets them apart from their rivals. I tend to believe that ninety percent of it is money, but there is something else going on there. But I'm not necessarily convinced that it's Lucien Favre. Um, yeah, I, I think that 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 Bayern Munich. What since the since Uli Hannes became the first general manager in in the Bundesliga, since then they've just been the, the money club and they've been able to buy success. And because of that, they've they've been a winning team kind of for decades now. And that is maybe what sets them apart. Obviously, that they, they have a winning mentality, and you've seen that that some coaches don't work and some do, and that's what Flick did this season. But yeah, I think this this weekend the the result for Dortmund against Leipzig proved that Fabre is still the right man for the job. If you look at the amount of goals that Dortmund scored this season, it's their record now. Their 84 goals is their best ever goal-scoring season in the Bundesliga. So if they can just maybe shore up the defence, and that has been their problem for a lot of the season, and it was when, when Marco Rice talked about the mentality shit of them giving away kind of sloppy goals and giving away points earlier in the season, that was the difference. If they can maybe have a better defence, and perhaps that'll be without... Hakimi next season maybe they need someone that'll that'll defend rather than attack in in that role that they could be a team that is able to challenge Bayern Munich they just maybe are missing a few key pieces but I think Favarez should be kept on because he's, he's proven enough this season that he can do it and an away win at Leipzig is not to be scoffed at What do you make of their uh, their, their apparent signing of uh, Thomas Munier? Yeah I think it's, it's a, it might be a good fit for them he seems to be in demand and he's obviously proven himself a winner with PSG and that's maybe what they're lacking these players that are used to winning and used to being champions and they added that in Hummels coming back from Bayern Munich and he has shown he's still one of the best defenders in in the Bundesliga if they can add these other kind of these other players that might be the difference they need the winners on the field and the winners in the dressing room and be the difference to kind of push them on and, and maybe give Bayern a better title challenge next season all right. Any thoughts on RB Leipzig's sort of fade in in either the second half of the season more generally or these last couple of weeks? We've seen them drop points at midweek. We saw them lose uh, on this weekend. 
they're kind of limping over the line, especially when you take into account the fact that, um, you know, their most high profile player, their most valuable player, Timo Werner, has not only announced his move to Chelsea next season, but also, you know, pretty strongly implied that he is not going to be playing for this team again once the uh, match day 34 90th minute whistle blows. He's he's not into, you know, continuing any of their exertions in Europe. He doesn't want to get injured. He wants to, you know, get on with the next phase in his career. Kind of leaves a bitter taste to me. Yeah, it would for me too. I don't think it's a good move for him. I don't think it looks good. It doesn't make him look like a team player. You can understand why he's doing it, especially with the, the shortened preseason we're going to have. But what, it's his only chance to play in the Champions League this, this season. So it's not like he's going to Chelsea and he's going to go into their Champions League squad and they're essentially out of it, I suppose, against Bayern. But you would think that he would try and maybe help them get as far in the Champions League as they could and maybe even dream a dream of winning the Champions League, but it's just not happening. And It kind of looks like Leipzig are on the beaches themselves and it, they seem to be happy enough with securing their own Champions League qualification, essentially. I don't think Leverkusen are going to win by 27 goals <laughs> at the weekend. But <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, so yeah, it, it just seems to be that the players have kind of lost a bit of focus, especially with with their top scorer confirming that he's moving to a different team. I know we knew all along it was going to happen, but just the way it's kind of happened and the way it's announced before the end of the season and the way that he's not going to be with them for the Champions League, it's kind of it kind of sours everything for the team and it's going to be hard to see them even even doing that this weekend because it just seems that that their season is essentially over until until the Champions League rolls around in another month and a month and a half so yeah Augsburg could be a good a good bet at the bookies this weekend to maybe pull off a, a result against team that might essentially be favorites on another day yep yep watch that space watch that line all right we'll be back in just a moment All right, so we are now back with part two of Talking Foosball. This is the part of the podcast where we talk about the, you know, the rest of the match day that's just gone. This was match day 33. Um, you know, for reasons of, of battery life, uh, Ronan has, has returned to us after the break with a, a different recording setup. He might sound a little different. He might sound a little worse, but, you know, we're going to try and keep it brief. Um, Let's talk quickly about sort of where we're headed uh, into the next season of uh, European action, as well as, you know, into the rest of this season of European action. You know, we'll explain. First of all, Wolfsburg look to have punched their ticket into the Europa League uh, after a big 4-1 win over the absolutely hopeless uh, Schalke 04. That is Schalke's 15th straight match without a win. And as much as we sort of, you know, been meh about Wolfsburg for a really long time, that they've just sort of grinded out results and, and hung around this part of the table, I really got to hand it to them. This was This was a a strong performance uh, uh, and, and, and a really nice showing from them. It was, you know, the Valt Vecor show, and I, I like that show. Yeah, I definitely like that show too. It's a very entertaining one, and he's kind of this, this old school forward maybe that you don't see too often anymore. So it is always a, a treat for for maybe the, the, likes of, the likes of us that are from a, yeah, an agricultural style background of football to, to appreciate the, his special brand of football and uh, 
So, so yeah, it'll be good to see how how Wolfsburg do next season in Europe with his team and under their, their new coach, how they can kind of adapt to that and and and, and see how they strengthen over the summer, maybe. Yep, yep, for sure. I think that this could be a very interesting summer because you know when Wolfsburg feel like they are on the verge of something interesting. Sometimes uh, the the purse strings tend to open up uh, from from Volkswagen. Uh, another team who are probably in with uh, well, I guess now that we're we're looking at the the table, both Wolfsburg and Hoffenheim have punched their tickets. Uh, Hoffenheim also got a big win. It was four nil over Union. We kind of mentioned earlier in the pod that Union are a team who have uh, mostly taken the uh, end portion of this season off. Do you expect much of them uh, going into next season? Now, there's a big question mark hanging over them, over who will be their coach next season. I mean, I suppose they could stick with the interim, but that doesn't seem terribly likely. No, it doesn't. It seems they have they have half the, the coaching staff are all kind of taking roles of their own at the moment. So they kind of have to look for someone going forward. And the fact that they have qualified for Europe I, I suppose the only thing to play for this weekend is who comes six and who comes seventh, and then how that kind of fits into the qualification thing. But the fact that they are in Europe should allow them to maybe attract a better coach that they mightn't have been able to attract if they, they didn't make Europe. So that will be the big question mark for this summer because it, it is a, an interesting squad and they do have kind of young talent players and exciting players to work with. So. It should be a, an appealing prospect for some coaches out there that are looking for a job. I wonder maybe Nico Kovacs could be convinced that, that this could be the job for him. Yep, yep. I don't think that that would be such a bad idea for them if they could uh, if they could attract him there. He might have his sights set higher. You know, he's, he's a former Bayern coach and everything. But yeah, speaking of <laughs> speaking of big jobs in in Germany, there could be another one opening up. I, I mentioned uh, Schalke having been without a win for 15 games um how viable do you think it would be for that club to hang on to uh david wagner uh heading into the summer after the unholy nosedive that we have seen from them basically ever since they got that result over gladbach to open up the second half yeah i think 2020 has been a disaster for them and overall the season party hasn't gone so badly but just the nature of it in the table 11th or 12th or whatever they end up finishing won't be too bad mid-table will be fine but the, it's just hard to see them keep hold of them because it's just gone so wrong so regularly and nothing they've kind of done in recent weeks has seemed to turn things around they tried maybe a younger team and that seemed to give them a bit of impetus against Leverkusen but for the last couple of weeks since then it's been back to square one and just disappointment after disappointment so if you are a Schalke fan or if you are on the Schalke board even it will be hard to see how you continue to back this coach yep no doubt no doubt I mean the one sort of bit of fallout that comes from this uh, constellation of results which happened this weekend we have in the Europa League representing Germany Bayer Nolfier Leverkusen Fauerfeld Wolfsburg and THG 1899 Hoffenheim these are perhaps the three least supported clubs in all of Germany. Um, I, I saw a joke uh, on Twitter uh, after these results saying that, you know, 
the broadcaster is going to be selling off the rights to the Europa League within Germany on, uh, you know, uh, on eBay, thinking that uh, there's just no possible way that they can turn a profit from this. I mean, it's it's interesting that, you know, we're getting to this point where so many of the the, the big clubs who television broadcasters depend on for ratings. Uh, especially for a competition which is not exactly uh, all that high profile, like the Europa League, are just not showing up. Yeah, I think that's kind of what, um, what I was referring to with Heidenheim earlier. I don't think they're going to be the, the, the sexiest team for the neutral to watch, and I don't think maybe Wolfsburg or Hoffenheim or Danapi, and if you're not a hardcore Bundesliga fan like we are, maybe it's Leverkusen, they'll end up being the team in, in the Europa League. Obviously, you have their attacking talents and that maybe might cause people to tune in, but it's hard to it's gonna be hard to sell Wolfsburg and, and Hoffenheim to to fans that maybe aren't interested in them at the best of times. So so maybe that's a, a bigger a bigger story that we could have with the fifty plus one rule and how things maybe need to change there. But uh, I I'll maybe leave that to Uli Honest to, to battle out and and the likes of Dietmar Hopp and them can trash out publicly rather than us. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, they'll always have Bayern in in the big tournaments and in the in the Bundesliga. That's who sort of the backbone of television viewership seems to be, at least within Germany and and much of the overseas contracts. I mean, incidentally, Germany did get a new set of of TV deals uh, this week. You know, fans kind of dodged a bullet because uh, you know the DFL were trying to sell seven different packages of games. Um, I mean, the worst case scenario, of course, would have been seven different broadcasters buying those packages. In the event, it was only two, so, you know, could be worse. So DAZN is going to be taking Friday and Sunday, whereas Sky has all of Saturday. At least in, in you know, your territory, my territory, it is one broadcaster uh, sticking with this. And fans did get, uh, you know, their pushback meant that that Monday games are, you know, off the table. So that, that is, I guess, a, a win for the Bundesliga. And, and the dollar figure didn't go down that much uh, from the previous contract, despite all the uncertainty surrounding uh, COVID-19 and stuff. So, I, you know, it seemed like mixed mixed news, but but okay news um, coming coming out of Germany. Yeah, I think it's the best possible kind of scenario that you could have imagined, because two broadcasters doesn't seem too bad, and that's kind of what's there in England for the Premier League most season, not this season now that we have BBC showing a few free games but uh, you have kind of Sky and BT battling for the rights and that are sharing the rights in in England and that seems to have worked out well for the last few years so I think Germany can handle the two the two subscription model and the fact maybe that one is a streaming service and the other is a, a regular broadcaster might kind of mix in well because if you do su- subscribe to the zone and, and I'm contractually obliged now to say that that goal is a part of the zone so I, I, I might be a bit biased here, but if you do, you might get the boxing and a few other things in, in, in it if you, if you were in Germany and you were, were signing up. Yeah, yeah, DAZN. DAZN means boxing, baby. Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. And I don't have I don't have too much interest in, in boxing myself, but uh, yeah, if you're into boxing, it, it seems to be the place to go at the moment. Okay, a couple of more results from the weekend uh, we can kind of uh, brush over. You know, Bayern... As, as we mentioned, had already wrapped up the title. They got a 3-1 win over Freiburg. Uh, this was probably notable mostly for the, the, the debut and or uh, starting 11 debut for a, a number of youngsters. You know, a couple of guys brought in, including Chris Richards for the end of the game. Of course, U.S. Youth International. Uh, Sarpreet Singh got a start. 
Yeah, Jamil Musiala also coming in for you know a cup of coffee at the end of that game. It's a really nice position to be in, I guess, as a, as a club uh, like Bayern, who you know can blood a bunch of guys who had really almost never played top flight uh, football for anybody, and and just cruise to to a three one win over a team who almost made Europe. Yeah, it, it, it is nice for for these guys to get a chance to play for Bayern Munich before they're inevitably sold to uh, a, a second division team. To, to, the, there was a tweet out the weekend FC Bayern US I think tweeted the future and they listed the three players and I thought yeah, yeah that's the future of, of Heidenheim <laughs> exactly. rather than Bayern Munich that's, the, that, that's usually what happens with, with these kids you, you see them once the league is, is won and then maybe you don't even see them again for at, at Bayern Munich even the, the kind of top top you talent you rarely see like Lars Lucas May can't even get a chance to play and he's considered one of the best defensive product, prospects in Germany so it's kind of impossible to be a young guy breaking in at, at Bayern Munich because they can just spend 10, 20, 30, 40 million on a new player in your position every summer. So. Oh, yeah. And if you're not um, a talent at the level of someone like uh, you know Alfonso Davies, who comes in from a smaller league and basically uh, plays his way into the side within, you know, six months, uh, it's not going to happen for you, buddy. <laughs> if, if it's been six months and you haven't gotten gotten your way into the side, your destination is going to be quite a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's unfortunately the way it is. And I think Davies, a bit of luck came his way at the time that, that they had that kind of defensive, the, all the defensive injuries at once, and he was kind of just prodded in a left back, and it ended up working out so well for everybody involved. But for the vast majority, for 99.9% of players, that's just not going to be the way, unfortunately. And, We'll just continue to see a kind of lack of academy prospects at Bayern. And I think it is something that they are looking to address and to have Seb Honest there trying to bring these young guys through, especially with the, the reserve team doing so well in the, in the third division. Maybe that will be a, a stepping stone, but I suppose when they have all the money they have, it's just going to be so hard for the likes of these guys to get more than these kind of two games at the end of the season and, and not much else. Yep, for sure. All right, uh, one more result. We had Cologne and Eintracht Frankfurt. They drew 1-1. I guess where I want to take this one, because I you know, I, I don't really want to go far uh, w- with the game. It was, you know, a level <laughs> a level result between two teams who were sort of uh, in no man's land. But we did get a really interesting question from the, uh, the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast um, about what you know, Bayern and other European, um, you know, sides, including Eintracht themselves, are going to do with the time off before their sort of, you know, final tournaments in the Europa League and the Champions League. He proposes a mini tournament, um, which I think is a great idea. I, I think, you know, Bayern, Leipzig, Frankfurt, Wolfsburg, and Leverkusen, the, the, the remaining German sides in Europe, should totally play a round-robin tournament at a neutral site uh, at some point during the month of July just to sort of stay fresh and get ready for that final tournament. Do you, do you have any uh, whimsical sites in mind for this tournament or names? I don't, but uh, yeah, I think that that is a good idea. And it was something I was kind of wondering myself because there was a lot of talk kind of around well, what would happen that, that Bayern Munich are the, fav- the favourites of Chelsea at the moment, but it's going to be four or five weeks between their cup final and the time to get in, into the Champions League again. So what are they going to do in the meantime? And I think the only solution really is to play friendlies against the other teams that are still in Europe. And because there is so many of them, it gives kind of a variety of matches to keep the players fit. And 
that maybe will stand to the advantage of the German teams that are in Europe because they won't be fully competitive matches so they can kind of rotate as much as they need to whereas clubs in some of the other leagues that, the, that are running until the end of July they won't have the same kind of turnaround so you would think it would be hugely beneficial for, for the German clubs and especially if they could play the games against each other to keep them that sort of match fitness up you would give an advantage to the German teams the fact that they've been back earlier they've been playing for longer and maybe they'll have this bit of kind of a half rest before Europe comes back into action it could be kind of one of the best years in a long time for for German teams in Europe I like it. I like it. And since since you know lots of Germans uh, like to go to the uh, the Baltic Sea for uh, for the summer vacation to the, to the beach, let's put the tournament in uh, in Rostock, which is not very far from some of those uh, Baltic Sea beaches. Just uh, you know, have all those teams set up in in whatever resorts they can get rooms at, and uh, you know, play a few games. Yeah, sounds sounds delightful. If only we could go. <laughs> if only anyone could go. So that is all for this edition of Talking Foosball, which was produced, as always, by Aidan Rantoul. Really good to have you back on the pod, Ronan. Yeah, it was great to be back again. It's been a while, and it's uh, always nice to be back with you talking Bundesliga, Matt. And uh, I suppose we have um, a big season ahead to look forward to now for 2020-21. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's time to start thinking about that. I mean, that, that that's sort of unexpected six seven-week pause that we all uh, live through means the summer's not really going to be that lengthy. You can follow Ronan on Twitter, of course, at SwearImNotPaul, and uh, you can read his work at Goal.com. If you want to contact us, you can do that at TalkingFoosball on Twitter, and, you know, do subscribe to the pod. Do tell your friends about the pod uh, as long as they, they like German football, and why shouldn't they these days? Bis zum nächsten Mal, y'all.